let me tell you a little bit about our uh, sponsor. It's Rough Greens. Got back over the weekend uh, from the Middle East and couldn't wait to see my dog. My dog was excited, playful. I've I've never seen him like this. Honestly, I, I his whole life he has not taken the ball and run with it, and he is constantly like a puppy. And I think it's rough greens. I mean, he, that's that's when everything changed. We started sprinkling this supplement on his dog food and he changed and it was fun to watch over the last six months. But he is, you know, over the first six months, uh, but he's a different dog. Get a free bag of Rough Greens for your dog to try out now. All you pay for is shipping just to make sure that your dog will eat it. If they do, if you put it on their food and they eat it, watch the changes that happen in your dog over a six-month period. It's amazing. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. 833-GLEN33 is the phone number. Or go to the website, roughgreens.com slash Beck. In Studio 8H of the Mercury Studios Complex in Dallas, Texas, I will give you an update on what has happened in the Middle East and what is currently happening in the Middle East. We begin with a mother of one of the fallen Marines. We do that in 60 seconds. Paul wrote in recently about his experience working with American financing. He says, I I don't think I could get a better rate than my then current and already very low rate. But I kept hearing Glenn Beck talk about it over and over again about how great American financing is. So we made an appointment. The rest is history. We took a year off of our mortgage and we saved a few hundred dollars on our monthly mortgage payment. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, American financing. Paul, you are more than welcome. I am glad that you made the call, even though you didn't think it was going to work for you. That's what many people think. You should call American Financing right now and see if you could save $100, $200, as Paul said, a few hundred, up to $1,000 a month. It's 800-906-2440. That's the number to call right now. 800-906-2440. It's American Financing. AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, There was a phone call that came into Andrew Wilkow. It uh, is from a mother who lost her son. Her name is Kathy McCollum. Riley was her 20-year-old son. She was obviously very upset. She had just learned the news, and she picked up the phone and called Andrew Wilkow and here's what happened. 
Cut 25. Kathy, Colorado, you're on the Wilcow Majority. Hello. Hey, my son was one of the Marines that died yesterday. Your and to son? listen to that. Sorry, I'm on the radio. No, 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 no. Um, go, go my ahead. son uh, was one of the Marines that died yesterday. 20 years and six months old. Getting ready to come home from freaking Jordan to be with his wife to watch the birth of his son. And that feckless, dementia-ridden piece of crap just sent my son to die. I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning to Marines at my door telling me my son was dead. So, to have her on right before me and listen to that piece of crap talk about diplomatic crap with freaking Taliban terrorists who just freaking blew up my son and know nothing to not say anything about oh my god I'm so sorry for the families so my son is gone and I just want all you Democrats who cheated in the election or who voted for him legitimately you just killed my son with a dementia-ridden piece of crap who doesn't even know he's in the White House he still thinks he's a senator so I'm going to try and calm down. I'm sorry. No, you look, I. Uh, you can imagine just a few hours after hearing that your son was dead, that you would uh, be quite angry and emotional. And I'm guessing that Kathy is still very angry. We hope to have her on by the end of the program today. There were vigils all over the country over the weekend for these falling, fallen Marines. And none of it had to happen. I don't know if you saw the Washington Post, the fall of Kabul. It is absolutely incredible how clueless everyone was. From the Washington Post, this account of Kabul's fall, the climactic moment of uh, America's longest war, is based on nearly two dozen interviews with U.S. and Afghan officials. In both Washington and Kabul, the days and weeks leading up to the fall were marked by complacency. The United States was withdrawing its forces. The Taliban was notching gains. But the prevailing view in both capitals was that there was still plenty of time before the insurgents might take over a city of nearly five million people that had long been the nerve center of America's presence in the country. President Ghani exuded that belief, according to Afghan and U.S. officials who, like others for the story, spoke on the condition of amenity to discuss sensitive matters. But reports from the field suggest that in some cases, Afghan government forces were not fighting at all. When the Taliban advanced on key border crossings with Iran in late June and early July, government forces abandoned their posts. The young Western educated official who served as Ghani's national security advisor, but who had scant experience in military or security affairs, told others the government forces would soon retake them. But no significant ever, uh, efforts ever materialized. 
As the Taliban continued to accumulate gains, the American officials began to see the president's confidence as delusion. Then Gandhi's lack of focus on the threat that the Taliban posed mystified U.S. officials, in particular Marine General Kenneth Frank McKenzie, head of the U.S. Central Command, and Ambassador Ross Wilson. In a meeting with Gandhi in Kabul in July, the two men told the Afghan president that his team needed a realistic, implementable, and widely supported plan to defend the country and had to drop the idea of defending all 34 uh, provincial capitals. They had to focus on what they could actually defend. All provinces are important, but some were more important to the defense of Kabul. Ghani appeared to agree, but there would be no follow-through. And that seemed to be the case on all parts. They talk about how it was beginning to fall, the provincial capitals fell. On August 6th, two dozen others, over nine days, two dozen other cities would fall. And Gandhi, uh, I mean, uh, Gandhi, uh, Ghani would want to talk about digitization of money. Isn't that interesting that that's what he was focused on, was the new digital money. An official uh, who knew the president's plan for government salary payment system, it had nothing to do with the dire threat, he said. As late of Saturday afternoon before Kabul fell, Ghani did not suggest any urgency around the departure arrangements or the safety of senior staff. Receiving one advisor in the palace gardens and speaking in his characteristic soft tones, he made arrangements to shore up the country's economy. He was supposed to address the nation later that night, but he never did. Americans, meanwhile, were suffering from their own delusions. In June, U.S. intelligence agencies had assessed that the Afghan government would hang on for at least another six months. By August, the dominant view was the Taliban wasn't likely to pose a serious threat to Kabul until at least the late fall. So now, if this is correct... This is a massive, massive uh, failure of the intelligence department once again. How are our intelligence agencies this wrong? American officials may have been urging Ghani to show greater urgency, but their own actions suggested no immediate cause for alarm. With the officials surrendering to the customary rhythms of Washington in August, on the Friday afternoon before Kabul fell, the White House was starting to empty out as many of the senior staff prepared to take their first vacations of Biden's young presidency. Earlier in the day, Biden had arrived at Camp David and Secretary of State Antony Blinken was already in the Hamptons. By Saturday, the fall of uh, one city to uh, Taliban forces convinced U.S. officials that they needed to scramble. How quickly was a subject of dispute between the Pentagon and State Department? So they couldn't decide on, should we scramble really fast or kind of fast? In a conference call with Biden and his top security aides, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin called for the immediate relocation of all U.S. Embassy personnel to the Kabul airport. 
Wilson's embassy colleagues had been racing to destroy classified documents and equipment in the compound since Friday. An internal memo obtained by the Washington Post implored staff to destroy sensitive materials using incinerators, disincinerators. Uh, what is that? Disintegrators. What is that? Have you ever heard of that? And burn bins. The directive also calls, called for the destruction of American flags or items that could be misused in propaganda efforts. Wilson said U.S. personnel needed more time to complete their work, but Austin insisted time had run out. Saturday evening, Kabul time, Ghani and Blinken spoke by phone, hoping to avert a showdown in the capital. Blinken sought Ghani support for a U.S. brokered arrangement with the Taliban in which the militants would remain outside of Kabul if the Afghan leader would step aside as an interim government took charge. The aim, said a senior U.S. official, was to buy time for negotiations aimed at forming an inclusive government that involved the Taliban as well as others. The president reluctantly agreed. Taliban insurgents captured key eastern uh, Afghanistan city of Jabala, uh, Jahalabad without a fight on July 15th. When the news that Kabul, uh, the, the news that Kabul woke up to Sunday morning was ominous. The overnight follow, uh, fall of Jahalabad had left the capital isolated. Many shops remained shuttered and people stayed home from work. This just collapsed so quickly and no one was paying attention to it everyone was taken by surprise how i don't know everybody started leaving that morning to head to the airport the the palace or the seat of government for President Ghani, he was told that he needed to get out fast. They said that they were, the Taliban was inside the palace looking for him, and he was going to die if he didn't get out. It'll either be you, your palace guards, or the Taliban. But if you stay, you will be killed. The president wanted to return home to gather his belongings, but told by advisors there wasn't any time. Earlier that afternoon, wearing plastic sandals and a thin coat, the president, along with the first lady and a handful of top aides, lifted off the palace grounds in military helicopters. They flew out. They landed in Ubekistan. From there, they boarded a small plane bound for the UAE. Gandhi aides... Uh, Ghani aides, who had not been part of the hasty evacuation, returned from lunch to find out that the president was just gone, his office empty. It goes on in this story to say he never called anyone at any time. At any time. He never called the vice president. He never did anything. While he was on the helicopter, no calls. When he landed, no calls. Nothing. He just left. That's when the Taliban called us. And the Taliban said, we're at the edge of the city. And you either need to step in and fill the vacuum and get control of the city because it's in chaos or we will. Biden's White House said, go for it. We didn't take a deal offered by the stinking Taliban 
to take control of the city to hold the city in place. And because of that, the Taliban came in with our permission. And that's when the whole thing melted down. That's when thousands of people rushed to the airport. They gave us the choice. Do you want to control the city or do you want to control the airport until August 31st? We said the airport. We chose the airport. Now they're saying only 240 Americans are left. That is a lie. That is a lie. I have more than 240 requests from people coming into our email. They're saying, please, can you help us get out? It's a lie. Well, they are saying, Glenn, there's only 240 who want to leave. Yeah. The others just are locked Maybe I should, into Taliban rule. They should, love I, it. should I forward the emails? Or do you <laughs> think those, the list of those people will be falling into the hands of the Taliban so they can be rounded up and killed as well? It's sick. Not in my entire life that I know of did our country openly openly take the wrong side we have done things that we later find out that we don't like but i have never seen our country openly do things that was on the wrong side in the in the civil rights movement i saw states and i saw local police do things that or we're on the wrong side. But never have I seen our federal government openly do that. It's sick. More in a minute. First, let me tell you about Rita. She lives in Florida. She writes in to talk about her dog's experience with rough greens. She says, my dog Timmy's liquid heart medication is added to his prescription dog food. Oh, boy, doesn't that sound good? So as you can imagine, it's critical that he eats, but he's lost interest in food after uh, another sweet older dog of ours passed away. That is so hard. I have seen that with my dog, too. They lose the will to just go on. Uh, I decided to try Rough Greens, and I'm happy I did. With Rough Greens stirred into his food, Timmy was not only interested in eating again, he also wanted to go for a walk and play with his toys, even chase squirrels again. Thank you so much, Rough Greens. Rita, that's the best story I've heard for a long time. I'm so happy that Timmy is eating again and acting like himself. You can get a free bag of Rough Greens for your dog just to try out, just to see if they will eat it. All you pay for is shipping. Then, if they do eat it, then order a bag of a full bag of Rough Greens at roughgreens.com slash back. And watch. Watch the difference in your dog over a couple of months. It's pretty amazing. 833-GLEN-33, 833-GLEN-33, roughgreens.com slash Beck, 10 seconds, station ID. So, did you see the president, uh, the video, do we happen to have the video of the president Possibly falling asleep uh, with the ambassador from Israel. Have you seen that, Stu? Yet another chapter 
and the beautiful story Look at him. of the friendship between our two nations, the United States of America and the Jewish and democratic state of Israel, both of us who seek to do good and need to be strong, both of us who are... Hey, so, yeah, he looks like he's just, he does move his finger at one point. Ah, okay. All that's, right. uh, that's more than I expect out of him in a typical press conference. Yeah. So I guess that's a positive. Okay. So did you see the picture of him checking his watch yesterday with his hand on his heart as uh, the remains of the fallen service members come into Dover? Mm. He looks at his watch. We have that picture. There it is. Have you, uh, which one's worse? Which one's worse? Falling asleep for the ambassador or looking at his watch? Mm. Uh, You know, this is the time a nation needs a president who's able to stay awake. (laughs) This is the type of time where you, when you go through your choice at the polls, pretty high standards. You think if this sort of situation occurs, I would adore a president who is able to stay awake during daylight hours. Who's going to take, who's going to take the phone call at 3 a.m. Or 3 p.m. In this particular (laughs) case. Yeah. (laughs) Noon. (laughs) Yeah. 10 o'clock in the morning, any time, really. <laughs> Who's going to take the phone call any time? You know, it's a, it's uh, also, have you ever seen, uh, have you ever seen the president and the vice president hidden away as much as he and Kamala are? No, I th- he, uh, he, he, people keep saying, where is he? And it's a r- real question. At times it feels like we don't have a president at all. And, right. And I think it feels to me like Kamala is like, I don't want to be in the, any of these camera shots. I, I don't, I don't want to be associated with this at all. She was gone last yeah. week. She was just gone. Yeah. She's just trying to stay out of the limelight, hoping that the stink from Biden doesn't reach her, which I don't know if that's possible, but that's what I think she's attempting to do. Again, anytime you want to uh, analyze an action from Kamala Harris, you just need to wind up thinking like she's always thinking about what makes her situation better. So she's always thinking about herself. That's always number one to Kamala Harris. So what is she doing? No, that's not true. Is that true, Kamala? Really? No, it's not. Oh my gosh. Which is worse? President snooze a lot? Or... Kamala Harris. Kamala, which one is? Can you, <laughs> you don't want to answer that. No, of course. Back in a minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So you may not think that disastrous situations could happen, even for American citizens. You, no. That's a, have you looked at the news lately? When it comes to a world... Um, that is, can all of a sudden spiral out of control. I mean, within days, the last line of defense between you and your family and a catastrophe is you. So let me ask you, are you prepared for whatever might happen in our country? Are you and your family ready? May I strongly suggest, if you've been thinking about this for years and haven't done it yet, you put My Patriot Supply on your list of things to do today. They're the nation's number one emergency preparedness company, and their mission is your survival. 
And right now, you can get a 25% discount on their popular four-week emergency food supply. Go to preparewithglenn.com right now. Get this discount before it's gone. Preparewithglenn.com. Save 25% off each four-week food supply that you order. Preparewithglenn.com. My Patriot Supply. Preparewithglenn.com. Go there now. Going to be a big week on Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You'll save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. This is the Glenn Beck program. We welcome Mr. Pat Gray from Pat Gray Unleashed, the podcast you can get anywhere, including Blaze TV live uh, before this broadcast. Pick it up at your local Ace Hardware store if you want. Anywhere, yeah, anywhere. Pretty much anywhere. Anywhere. So, yeah. Thank you very much, Pat. Um, back from the uh, Middle East, I came in uh, on uh, Saturday. Uh, wow, there's nothing like flying to the other side of the planet for a couple of days and then flying back. Oh, it's good. <laughs> it's good on the body. It's good on the body. Mm-hmm. Really good on the body. Um, but uh, uh, we, I, I'm not going to be saying uh, much uh, for the next few days. Um, because the airport is officially closed now. Uh, only the military side is getting anybody out. Uh, the, the commercial side is completely gone. Uh, there are about 12,000 uh, refugees that uh, uh, groups like uh, Mighty Oaks Foundation, uh, the Nazarene Fund, and others have been working to get out together. We have taken uh, 12,000 people out just at just arriving in two airports. Um, That's quite a good number uh, for something that is absolutely impossible to do. Do not take our blackout as anything other than um, we're keeping our mouths shut because we know that the Taliban is uh, monitoring uh, groups like ours for additional information. Uh, They are actively searching for people. They are now, you know, the good thing is they're in bed with the Russians and the Chinese. So that always is going to be good. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are now monitoring phones and tracking phones. If you know someone in the Middle East in this situation, Please tell them to turn their phones off. Turn your phone off. Um, if you need to, use uh, passwords with each other uh, so you know who you're talking to. Uh, and uh, pick maybe an hour a day that you're going to use your phone. But turn it off. Turn it off. Uh, okay. Other than that, things were great. Things are great. Hopefully, we'll have a really exciting announcement uh, coming uh, this week, perhaps this week. Um, We'll tell you, pretty much we'll tell you when we're there. Um, But uh, please keep people in your prayers. There are thousands that are in hiding and want to get out. Many Americans. Yeah, they're... <clears throat> the figure I keep hearing on Fox and elsewhere is 250. I can't believe there's only 250 there's Americans not. left. There's not. Uh, because the original estimate 
was between ten and forty thousand, mm-hmm. and so far uh, the number I just heard is one hundred and twenty thousand people we've evacuated, and fifty four hundred of them were American. Fifty four hundred. Well, then there there are thousands of people left behind, and there are really bad guys that are getting onto the planes. <clears throat> really bad guys. I'm sure. Yeah, really bad guys. Um, sure. And uh, I hope that our government is, I mean, th- those are the people that are coming. Our 12,000 are not coming uh, to the United States. Mm. I, can, I, can vouch for, I can vouch for 5,100 for sure, because that's the ones we've been partnering with uh, Mighty Oaks Foundation. And they've been getting people in, and they've been using our planes to get them out, and we've been sharing uh, things. Uh, and... 5,100 people, I can vouch, are not coming to America. I don't think any of the private um, rescues are going to America, unless they're American citizens. But I could be wrong. But they are just loading up the planes, just loading up the planes on the military side. Uh, And I don't know how they're vetting them. I don't know. And they're coming to Texas. A lot of them are coming here to Texas. And uh, mm. I hope we're very, very careful. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, you know, it's a it's a little nerve-wracking coming from a place like Afghanistan with the Taliban you think so? and Al-Qaeda. Do you know what they did? Yeah. You know, we, we had to have paperwork. You had to have paperwork. <clears throat> so the, the uh, what the State Department was doing on the military side was they were just handing out blank visas. So you could just, they were just handing out blank, just fill your name in, just fill your name in. It gets you through the gate, just fill your name in. Really? I'm sure that's not going to be a problem at all. No. What could, what could go wrong there, do you think? I can't think, I I can't wanna, think of I a single thing. I can't think of anything either. <laughs> okay, so last week um, you had a, uh, I think it was a lieutenant colonel of, a, uh, of the Marines come out and speak out, demand <clears throat> accountability. Here's what he said. Listen to this. All of these people are supposed to advise, and I'm not saying we've got to be in, the, in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying, did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? And when you didn't think to do that, did anyone raise their hand and say, we completely messed this up? Mm-hmm. I've got battalion mm-hmm. commander friends right now that are posting similar things, and they're saying, you know, Wondering if it, all the lives were lost and, and if it was in vain, all those, all those people that we've lost over the last you know, 20 years. And he goes on to say that we're all part of a chain. While every link may not be tested, the strength of the chain is only as strong as each link, and you got to be you know, a good link, something like that. And what I'll say is, and from my position, potentially all those people did die in vain if we don't have senior leaders that own up and and raise their hand and say we did not do this well in the end without that we just keep repeating the same mistakes this amalgamation of the economic slash corporate slash political slash higher military ranks are not holding up their end of the bargain I want to say this very strongly. I have been fighting for 17 years. I am willing to throw it all away to say to my senior leaders, I demand 
accountability. Nothing wrong with that, except he's wearing uniform while he did it. He recognized that was wrong and he has resigned and he was given uh, a choice by the military. You can either uh, face disciplinary action. It would be about a three year investigation on him. Face disciplinary action. Shut your mouth during it uh, or resign and you are cut off from all benefits. Now, he's been doing this for for 20 years. Uh, he's earned all of his benefits. He, uh, over the weekend, put his, uh, uh, put his rank on the table and said, I resign and I want nothing except answers. Now, his latest video is a little weird. If you watch the full thing, um, and I'm not sure if it's because he feels challenged now and he's trying to puff, you know, Puff himself, not himself, but puff up just a bit to say, you're not going to take me out because he is now in a struggle for his life because he is now saying he is going to uh, uh, say things and report things that will take down the corrupt military industrial complex. And uh, you should watch it because I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure yet how I feel on him. On this video, I felt great. Good for you. That's what we're looking for, mm-hmm. is somebody who's willing to put their their brass down on the table and say, I don't really care what you do. I just won't do this anymore, and I want some answers. And I'll tell the American people that, we, that you deserve answers. Here's a clip of, of what he said in his latest video. When I was a young captain, I worked for a man named Lieutenant Colonel Hobbs. And we went through some things together. And he, many people don't know, was actually relieved as an 06 for standing up for moral things that he thought was right. And he did it within the system, as a lot of people have implored me to do. And he was just shuffled out the door without really affecting any change. And then after he exited the Marine Corps, he's made a lot of controversy by talking about racial diversity and um, equal opportunity problems in the Marine Corps. From that respect, I have uh, adamantly disagreed with him. But just because we have different opinions doesn't mean I don't respect him. Sir, I, I love you like a father. And you made a comment on one of the posts in LinkedIn without giving anyone context of who you were or what our relationship was. And you said, if Stuart Scheller was honorable, he would resign his commission. Of all the noise going out there, that one comment has just played through my head. If Stuart Scheller was honorable, he would resign his commission. You didn't say is as if challenging me. You said was as if you assumed I wouldn't do it. I want to make the announcement today, after 17 years, I'm currently not pending legal action, and I could stay in the Marine Corps for another three years, but I don't think that's the path I'm on. I'm resigning my commission as a United States Marine, effective now. I'm sure there's some MAR admin on how I'm supposed to do that, and I'll work through that. 
but I am forfeiting my retirement on entitlements. I don't want a single dollar. I don't want any money from the VA. I don't want any VA benefits. I'm sure I'm entitled to 100%. I, you know, breathed on the smell and smoke of burning for years. I don't want any of it. You know, I asked, all I asked for was accountability of my senior leaders when there are clear, obvious mistakes that were made. I'm not saying we can take back what has been done. All I asked for was accountability for people to comment on what I said and to say, yes, mistakes were made. And had they done that, I would have gone back into rank and file, submitted and accomplished what I wanted. The morning after I posted my video and I came into work, my boss came in and he asked me, what were you trying to accomplish? And that was a very tough question for me. And my response was, I want senior leaders to accept accountability. I think them accepting accountability would do more for service members and PTSD and struggling with purpose than any other transparent piece of paper or message. What he said there, I 100% agree with. Mm-hmm. 100% agree with. Yeah. Um, Especially since Biden told us there were no mistakes made. He didn't make any mistakes. Uh, we all know Biden's mm. mistakes. I'd like to know what the military says. Yeah, I'd like I to too. know that the military understands that they made massive mistakes. And they can say, look, we advised against it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's fine. I just want to know that our military understands exactly what has just transpired. And there are going to be hearings about this. Believe me, there are going to be hearings. More in just a second. Pat Gray, Pat Gray Unleashed, thank you so much for uh, being here. Tuttle Twins books, if you're, uh, you remember that teacher in Utah, I think it was last week or was it the week before, where she came out and said, most parents are dumber than you kids. You don't have to believe everything your parents believe, most, because most likely you're smarter than them. That's a real quote from a real teacher. Thankfully, uh, the school board fired that person, but I can guarantee you there's probably somebody like that in your school district that's saying the same kinds of things. Do you really know what your kids are being taught? Bad information is only effectively countered with good information. That's why I want to talk to you about the Tuttle Twins books. They teach liberty and, uh, and uh, the republic and the free market in a fun way that kids can actually understand. And they start with young kid books all the way to uh, young adult books. And really, I mean, I think a lot of parents are learning a lot from the Tuttle Twins books. Right now, TuttleTwinsBeck.com, if you go there, you'll get 35% off. They'll throw in all their activity books for free. Buy them for your kids and your grandkids. It's TuttleTwinsBeck.com. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Get 35% off today. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. The Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury One had sleepless nights all uh, last week, uh, aiding... Uh, with the evacuation and uh, and and the coordination in Kabul, um, please pray for all of the volunteers at Mercury One and the Nazarene Fund and all of the groups that are trying to uh, work on this. And then we were hit with a hurricane uh, in um, in New Orleans, 
rip the the roof off of a hospital. They're trying to relocate the ICU patients today. Power has just gone out. Uh, who who would have thunk? Uh, I guess they didn't they didn't really prepare New Orleans for yet another hurricane. Uh, it's getting a little it's getting a little old. Uh, quite honestly, sending money down there and then it's being wasted and not used to do the right things. Um, but uh, they're in trouble again. And if you would like to uh, help out, you can donate to mercuryone.org to our disaster relief fund. That money goes to things like New Orleans, whoever is hit. And by the way, we don't just give the money out. Um, we we look for the people who make the biggest difference uh, on the ground and the ones who can deliver most impact for the dollar are the ones that we choose. We're we're more of a clearinghouse uh, than anything else. And we partner with people uh, to do these things. And um, we have to remember the people in New Orleans that were hit by a tremendous hurricane are now a million people without power. MercuryOne.org uh, is where you can go and donate. And you can donate there to the Nazarene Fund. You have to mark it. Uh, but the Nazarene Fund or Disaster Relief or Education, it's up to you. But uh, we, we could use the help. 